We are committed to grow. Like, if, 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 if you're not growing, there's something wrong. If ever you get to the place in your faith where you think, I made it, I'm good, I got no area to improve or grow, there is something wrong. And here's the thing, like, why do we need to grow? We need to grow because surrounding us every single day is a dead and dying world who's looking for the answers that we have. And man, if we grow and if we, if we begin to take big steps of faith and learn more and more and more and more what it looks like and how we can, what it looks like to follow Jesus and how we, how we can be more like Jesus, then I think that we will uh, more successfully begin to reach the world around us. And who better to learn from? Uh, I mean, obviously Jesus, yeah. But next to Jesus, who better to learn from than Jesus' own brother? And that's what's happening here in the book of James. I'm excited. If you're a note taker, you're my favorite person in the whole world. If you're not a note taker, um, if you're not, if, if, you're, if you're not a note taker, uh, I pray that every time, every time you go to Chick Fil A or Canes and you take a bite, and the chicken sandwich tastes like broccoli. That's what I'm praying. God will manipulate, spiritually manipulate your taste buds, and it will be like broccoli to you. <laughs> so I have like this little literally like I never put that stuff in my notes. I just what comes out. Pray if you don't take notes in church, uh, you would get a paper cut and somehow, some way, it would just rain lemon juice. <laughs> Like 
where'd you get it? She said, Paxa. I was like, Paxa? Paxa doesn't sell championships. Yeah, it does. I got a good price on it, too. It was like 70 bucks. I was like, my God. Champion was like $8 for a hoodie back when I was a kid. It was sold out Walmart, and it didn't look cool like that. Just so you guys know, God can redeem anything. <laughs> uh, someone just got to say it. Me 
serious conference on the 10 o'clock and after you went youth Wednesday night, we're walking, we walk out, and you never see like just like a shadow or something on a wall, and you're like, huh, and you flinch. I did that, Caleb, but it was that thing, man. Like, there's this huge tarantula on the wall, like just like, I'm like, first of all, how are you sticking to the wall? That's evil. You got eight legs. That's not what they, I'm not even kidding you. Um, someone's trying to scoop it with the with the uh, uh, ping pong paddle, and it hits the floor, and it does this. And like, it goes, and it goes squared up on me. I'm like, what's up, man? Like, I'm freaking out, man. Like, they're evil. You know what else I think is evil? I think snakes are just evil, man. They're evil. Yeah. You guys want to hear a story about, like, how I get scared of my snakes? It was the first week I was on staff at this church. And Travis, who, uh, Josiah, some of our tech guys, Caleb, uh, their dad, Travis is on staff with us here. And if you know Travis, like, he is, like, the outdoorsman to the max. He's, like, opposite of me in every single way. Like, he is super manly. I'm pretty sure he just takes motor oil and uses that as, like, cologne, you know? <laughs> like, he drives, he, he, he drives a Jeep, like, and not just any Jeep, like, straight up the Jurassic Park Jeep. Like, that's Travis. Uh, one day, Travis, it's literally my first week, like, on the job. He walks into the door of my office holding, that's right, a rattlesnake by its tail. The rattle is literally, and he's like, dude, look what I found outside the church. And I was like, yeah, you're going to die. Like, what he, because here's the thing. He had went and he caught it with this contraption thing that he has. It's this thing, like, with, like, a lasso at the end. He puts the head inside, and then he pulls it, and then, like, it's like, Stuff, you know, and then he cuts the head off of the snake. I know, it sounds brutal. Peter, don't watch the podcast. It's so bad. But, like, that's what he does. Um, so, like, the head was already gone. Like, it was a headless rattlesnake. But obviously, like, when you're sitting in your office just working and someone walks in with a rattlesnake, the first thing you don't think is, like, let me check to see if the head's still on there. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm not thinking that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, like, you need to put it down. Like, it's going to bite you. Like, what are you doing? He says, don't worry. I cut its head off. You can't walk in my office and say that casually, okay? And then he's like, hey, should we go to Amber's office and scare her with it? I was like, uh, yes, let's go. Uh, we got a question of that. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I didn't go on a date for a month. <laughs> so we walk over to Amber's office, and like before we even get there, she's like freaking out. She's in the corner going crazy. Snakes are evil. Somebody say amen. Amen. A witness. You know what else is evil? Maybe not quite as evil. Uh, lint on black clothes. You ever get to school and you're like, did it snow? Did it snow in California? Lay on, um, uh, I don't, I don't think people, people are ever like really, I don't know, I don't think people are really evil in and of themselves. But if you don't wash your hands after you go to the bathroom, I'll do, we'll just leave it at that, junior high boys. Um, if you have new shoes and you and someone steps on them, that person might be demon possessed. I'm just saying. Um, but hear me out. Certain things I think are evil. Um, hear me out. Country music? Come on, like can I get a witness? Yes or no? Chalkboards. Like you don't have to nail on a chalkboard, just chalk on a chalkboard. I literally have chills right now just thinking about it. Blackboards, ah, oh, no. 
when somebody's eating, a fork goes in their mouth and they close their teeth on the fork and I'll punch you right in the face and pass the out your soul, okay? My certain things, absolutely evil. Okay, but in all seriousness, there are certain things that like, I really do believe are absolutely evil in life, on this, and James, James says the same things, and of everything that James could talk about, all the things that he could label as evil, the thing he decides to address is this thing called discrimination. Discrimination is evil. Write that down if you're taking notes. That's our first, that's our first point. Discrimination is evil. James chapter 2, verse 4, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Discrimination is evil. Now let me break down just a couple types of discrimination we're talking about. Let's just kick off, but obviously the most obvious of them all is racial discrimination. Now there is no room in this community or any Jesus community for racism. End of story. And, 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 and I was thinking, like, I don't, I don't know that I even need to preach this, but I think that it is one of the themes and one of the, the, the unique things about our faith that in ev at every turn, at every moment possible, racism is labeled not as a struggle, not as a social construct, not as something that slightly hinders society and culture. It's labeled in the Bible as evil because that's what it is. Now, here's the thing. We don't talk about this often within our community. Why? Because look around. You know, I say this all the time, like we have the answer that the world is looking for in terms of salvation, in terms of fulfillment, in terms of your life, in terms of that deep, dark, lonely, empty feeling that so many people deal with every single day. We have the answer for that. But with this, I think we also have the answer. I think we're literally sitting in the answer. Jesus communities that said, it doesn't matter your nationality, your background, your race, you are absolutely 100% a child of God with a, the exact same value as anybody else. And I love that all the way through the Bible, including James, anytime, anytime racism tried to creep into Jesus communities, these people are led by God, led by the Holy Spirit to get that thing out. And can I just say, that will always be how we address racism here in this community. There is no place for it. And, 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 and in, another, uh, in another scripture in Galatians, it's actually another letter in the New Testament. It says this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Galatians 3, 26. It says, for you are all, everybody say all. For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all, everybody say all. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. Saying what? Level playing field, we are all of equal value. So don't try to tell me you're redeemed if you're racist. Let me just add on, based on Galatians, don't try to tell me you're saved if you're sexist. Because there's no room for that in Jesus' community. Somebody say amen. amen. The next type of discrimination I want to talk about is it's, um, it's, it's social discrimination. 
social discrimination. Um, there was a ton of discrimination happening in James Day when he wrote this. Um, in James Day, in James Day is a school that we're doing the Bible club at. Uh, that just like came to mind as I said that, Kale, you know, but we are doing the club there and it's gonna be lit. It's gonna be fun, me and Kenneth are gonna be there, it's gonna be rad. You go to James Day, come hang out. That's neither here nor there. Back to the text, you guys. Stop distracting me, Kale, okay? <laughs> in, 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 in this day, James was writing this letter, there was a ton of discrimination, but if there's any type of discrimination that, that James is specifically calling out, and I think it really is ca calling out discrimination as a whole, discrimination in general, I think if there's any specific type, it's social discrimination. The social discrimination that was created by really a caste system amongst their communities where people would, uh, would have more value depending on how much money they would have. And literally, uh, what he's talking about here is in every other social circle of life, what happened is people would come in and you'd be like, okay, you're wearing nice clothes, you're put together, you have money, therefore you have value. Come here, we have a special seat for you. Come sit right up here, up front, front and center, be like in, 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 the, in the area of importance. And oh, man, are those grass stains on your jeans. Oh, and they're, oh. Their Walmart brand. Oh, do us a favor. Could you just go back there to the corner? And there's actually no chairs over there. Just sit. Just sit on the floor. Uh, just uh, we just don't want anybody to see you. It was like this favoritism socially, and James is saying it should not be this way. One of my favorite things about ministry about life, about church, about God's family, is it puts you in direct contact with people that you really otherwise probably wouldn't have contact with. Um, let me be like this, I, I have a friend, uh, I have a friend, he's one of, my, one of my best friends in the world, his name's Kevin Berger. Kevin is, Kevin is awesome, man, he is awesome. Kevin is literally like the best type of friend anybody could ask for. Kevin is the one that if he's showing up with coffee, He's showing up with a coffee for you as well and not asking you for money. Kevin is the type that like every single time I've ever moved, Kevin was there helping me move. Not just that, Kevin was the first one there and the last one to leave every time. That's Kevin Berger. Let me also say Kevin Berger is super awkward. <laughs> like. Like, okay, uh, who grew up in church? Like, you grew up in church. You've been in church since, like, for a long time. Like, you know all the nursery rhymes. You know Father Abraham. You memorized every single VeggieTales. Uh, if she's your girl, then why she's watching VeggieTales with me? It's the best meme. JJ, that's the best meme, bro. Oh, it's so good. Uh, um, let me just say, some people who've grown up in church, ah, uh, you just got to a little dash of the awkwardness sometimes. Okay, I'm just saying how it is. Don't kill the messenger, okay? Like, if you grew up in church, on top of that, like, you were homeschooled, on top of that, you're an only child, I'm getting real nervous, okay? <laughs> this was Kevin, though. Kevin was the poster child for awkward church kid. And I'm gonna tell you just straight up how it is. I would never have chosen to hang out with Kevin. I know, I feel bad even saying it, but it's in my notes, so I have to, let's tell you. But really, like, if Kevin went to my high school, I, I, like, I probably never would have walked up to this guy and hung out with him. But today, Kevin is literally at, uh, 
California Highway Patrol uh, training camp. What do they call that? Boot camp? Training camp? Something camp? Academy. Thank you. Thank you. Academy. Um, you learn something new every day. <laughs> he's at the academy to be a California Highway Patrolman right now. Like, and he's going to be a He's gonna be a great cop. He'd grow a great mustache, all of it, right? Kevin is amazing, but I never would have done life with Kevin if not for a community just like this. One of the things that I love about our community, our family, is you'll end up doing life with people that maybe in the rest of your life you would have avoided. What was our, what was our, sermon, our sermon in a sentence again? God loves you no matter what. Learn to love him with all you got. Write that down if you haven't written that down. God loves you no matter what. Learn to love him with all you got. That's our sermon in a sentence tonight. And this is what that looks like when it comes to social discrimination. It looks like running towards the people you used to avoid. It looks like not walking under your school campus and, and beginning to categorize people based on the clothes that they wear. It means that even if people are a little bit awkward, that you say, you know what, I still love you and I value you, and you might end up being one of the best friends that I'll ever have in my life. If Jesus could endure the cross, you can endure a little bit of awkwardness. Let's stop discriminating socially because James is saying there is no room for social discrimination. The last type of discrimination I wanna talk about is spiritual discrimination. We got racial, we got social, now spiritual discrimination. In the midst of talking about discrimination, James makes sure to add in and include this. James chapter two, verse number 10. He says, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one, how many people have ever sinned once in your life? Just raise your hand by a show of hands in the building. If you're not raising your hand, you could go ahead and raise your hand right now because you're lying in church and that's a double sin, okay? Okay, cool. So, so we're all on the same, in the same boat there. We've all messed up. We've all broken the law at least once. You don't think so? You haven't? Not even once? Okay, you ever stolen something? You ever lied to your parents? Just got every single one of you right there. <laughs> if you've ever broken the law even once, anyone who, who has ever broken the law once is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's law. Another version says it like this. If you've broken one part of the law, you've broken all the law. You know what this does? It levels the playing field so none of us can sit around and act like goody two shoes, we're super awesome. There is no I'm better than you. There is no I'm, I'm more holy than you. There is no I'm gooder than you. That gooder's not a word, whatever. Like there is none of that because if you've broken the law once, you're guilty of the whole thing. That, that, is, that is what James is talking about. So it levels the playing field to say nobody's better than anybody, so stop trying to act like anybody's better than anybody else. There is no like, oh, well, she's walking into church wearing that. <laughs> Check your heart. Like, there is, you have to pop your hip when you say that. Like, this neither here nor there. Like, also, girls, why do you, like, let me take out my glasses for this because they're prescription and, you know. Like, why do girls do this when they're going to fight? Like, why when girls are about to fight, they go. Like, I'm honestly, like, I have one theory. You want to hear my theory? Guys, like, we, we have theories about certain things that you girls will never tell us. Like, why do you have to go to the bathroom in, like, two, threes, fours, fives, sixes, and sevens? Like, 
I'm convinced that every female bathroom on the planet is like dope, like couches, free food, like charcuterie, like the whole nine yards. Like they've got snacks, they've got like a butler in there with a towel on their arm, like serving you like. You know what my theory is why girls do that? I just feel like they're looking at the shoes, you know, because you can tell a lot by someone by their shoes, you know? It's like, okay, we're about to fight? What's up? Flip-flops? Let's go. Come on, I'll fight you. They'll be like, what's up then, you yeah? Steel toe boots, I'm out. <laughs> We're not fighting. If any girl's wearing steel toe boots to school, she does not care about her life. She looks down like all black Air Force Ones, I'm gone. <laughs> like, don't care about your life. But there is, can I just say, there is none of this in God's family. There is no like, oh, you're dressing like that. There is no like, a couple weeks ago, and I don't even say who, and trust me, I'll, I'll expand on this a little bit because my wife will kill me if I don't. Um, I was about to play JJ and ping pong a couple weeks ago, and one of our, one of our students, I love, 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 love this dude, he goes, he goes, hey, Corey, kick his, and you guys all know that word. <laughs> I was like, not gonna say in church because I would lose my job, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was like, I'll do my best. Like, that was my response. I'll do my best. Now, let me just say, like, I do appreciate the respect of, like, not all of us are, you know, not all of us believe the same thing. And I love that about our community. Not everybody here is a Christian, so not everybody here talks like a Christian, right? And I love that, like, for the most part, 99.99% of everybody in this room is like, hey, I, I might not be a Christian. Some of the people who aren't Christian, they come in and they're like, hey. I'm not a Christian, and I might talk a certain way in the rest of my life, but I know, like, this is church, and there's a level of respect that I have here for this place and the values that they hold. And trust me when I say, we absolutely appreciate that. Like, there's young kids in the room, stuff like that. We appreciate it. I love that level of respect. But also, just know, like, you can bring your friends that might drop the F-bomb while they're here. Because we're not going to be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> the F-word? Well... I hope you like hot weather and Satan because you'll spend a long time with both of those in eternity. No, no way, because guess what? You're guilty of the same thing that they are doing because you're guilty of the whole law. Let, let me lay this out for you. Let me lay this out for you. Have you ever looked at someone and go, oh man, I can't believe that they struggle with that. Let's be real, we've all done that. Like, we've all done that. We can try to not act upon it, but we've all done that internally. Now, here's the thing. Whatever you're looking at and going, uh, because here's the thing. Like, we all judge people when they struggle different, right? If you struggle with something that I struggle with, I'm like, oh, oh so much grace for you. You can do it. Keep fighting. Keep pushing forward. I, I'm in it with you. I'm praying for you. Then you struggle with something that, like, I don't struggle with. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Can't believe you. Like, seriously? gross. <laughs> yeah, but whatever you're looking at saying, gross, I can't believe you, you're actually guilty of that sin because you're guilty of the whole thing. I'm guilty of the whole thing. Everything in God's law I've broken, I couldn't even count for you. So many of them. So if I've broken any of them, I've broken the whole thing and we are level playing here. So there's no spiritual uh, discrimination. There's literally no room for it. Let me just add this. I actually wasn't even, um, I wasn't even going to add this. Oh, man, I just, I'm all over the place, guys. You know what it is? I don't have my prescription glasses on it. There we go. Okay. Okay, see them. They're not prescription. <laughs> They're totally fake. Uh, okay, I'm going to jam through this, and then I'm going to get to what I was about to say. If, I had, if, I, if we're asking the question, what does spiritual discrimination look like? I think I would narrow it down to one word, exclusive. It's being exclusive. 
You know, did you know we serve an all-inclusive God who includes everybody? John 3, 16, I won't even go back to the notes because I have it memorized. Don't be intimidated. I'm a pastor. I do this for a living, you guys. It says, for, <laughs> for, <laughs> for God so loved who? The world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Everybody, that's all inclusive. I, I got to speak at, um, at Cornerstone Youth last night uh, in Fountain Valley. I got to preach and I tag team preached with our good friends Wyatt Staggers and, and, uh, and Elliot Bland. And Wyatt went uh, right after me and Wyatt said something and like, I, just, I literally wanted to quote him in this because it was so good. I wrote it down in my notes last night. I was like, I'm literally gonna quote you, Wyatt, but I'm only quoting you because some of the people that are here tonight were there last night and so I have to quote you and give you credit, otherwise they'd expose me. But he said, listen to this, let us not, everybody say not. Let us not be exclusive people that believe in an inclusive God. Let us not be exclusive people that believe in an inclusive God. And let us never, ever, ever judge somebody because they struggle different than us. Because remember this right here. Remember this, James, uh, James chapter two, verse 13. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. No mercy, you get no mercy. Show mercy, you get mercy. See, it's a level playing field. We've all struggled. If we have anything in common in this room, it's that we're all broken and we've all struggled. Somebody say amen. amen. Now here's what I love about this community. It's a place that is safe to fail. You can fail here. You can fail here and we are not gonna run around and gossip about you. We're not gonna beat you up. We're gonna build you up. We're gonna help you walk. get through it and improve and grow and keep going. Because can I, can I tell you here, this should give you freedom that, that God has leveled the playing field and said, if, you show, if you've sinned once, you've sinned, you've broken the whole thing. This literally, this isn't, a, this isn't bondage, this is freedom that you can be you. You could stop showing up to church, playing church, church kid. You don't have to be the perfect Christian all the time. Like, oh, how are you doing? You know, God is good. And all the time, God is good. And then you like go home and you're like, but over here I'm failing so hard it's driving me to depression. You don't have to be perfect. You could just be you. Because here's the thing, God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God can't bless who you pretend to be and the world needs who you were meant to be. Your flaws and all. Jesus takes us just as we are. There's no room for spiritual discrimination. Discrimination is evil. Somebody say amen. All right, I'm moving on because some judgmental person just got offended, okay? Our second point, we only got two points tonight, is this. Lights, camera, action. Lights, camera, action. Let's dig into this next portion of scripture. We're going to go James chapter 2. I think, uh, I think I only said 14 to 17, but let's go all the way to 20. What do you guys say? Let's get crazy. Okay, it's going to be really quick. I promise before you know it, we're going to be out of here. Chapter 2, verse 14, we're going to go to verse number 20. 
What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that type of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister, listen, listen to this. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. <laughs> Saucy, that is messed up. But then, you don't give that person food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead. Everybody say dead. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have deeds. But I say, how, uh, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You, uh, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Listen to how straightforward and messed up this is. Good for you. Like, you ever have someone say that? Like, good for you. You're like, you get to school and you're like, dang, I forgot my lunch. And you're like, you forgot your lunch? Really? I brought leftover Chipotle. And they're like, well, good for you. And you're like, it is good for me. Man. James says, good for you. Even the demons believe this. Now you're comparing us to demons, James. Cool. And they tremble in fear. How foolish. Can't you see faith without good deeds is useless? Jump down to verse 26. Just as the body is dead without breath, also faith is dead without good works. But Pastor Corey, I thought that we don't get saved by what we do. We get saved by faith. This is true. Um, let me just say, like, while you're digging into the scripture, while you're reading James, um, and, and anytime you're studying the Bible, here's the golden rule. Remember this, especially if you're going to be a preacher, especially if you're going to share your faith, you're going to share the Bible, know this. The like, like, Bible interpretation 101. Scripture interprets scripture. Scripture interprets scripture, not your opinion interprets scripture, not what you think or what your friend thinks or what commentary says. No, scripture is the best thing that will interpret scripture. Let this scripture interpret this for you. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9, God saved you by his grace, everyone say grace, when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Let me say it like this, um, lights, camera, action. Light, what does light do? Light reveals. If you walk into a room that's dark, you can't see anything, you throw on some light. But don't you, don't you notice like, how, like you throw on a light and you're like, whoa, like you ever walk outside when it's really bright and you were just like in a dark classroom or a dark room or something, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What needs to happen next? There's lights and then, and then camera, and what does a camera do? A camera, if out of focus, is not doing its job. A camera focuses in, there's lights, camera, there is this, this understanding, this revealing of like you need salvation, and then your focus is your faith that leans into that. Let me say, okay, let me, you, you guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. Let me say it like this. Um, you're saved by grace through faith. None of us deserve salvation, but God in his grace, because grace is something you don't deserve, God said, okay, here it is, you can have it, and by faith we said, okay, I receive it. That is what salvation looks like. But imagine there was a director of a movie that said, all right, quiet on the set, lights, camera, and then he went to lunch. <laughs> like we wouldn't have a movie, right? Like it would just be a thought in his head. And that's the scary thing for me, is, is when we die, when we get to heaven, there'll be a moment when we're face to face with Jesus and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
And too many Christians are here believing that Jesus is going to be like, well thought, my good and faithful servant. You thought, and it's the thought that counts, not scriptural at all. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm scared that some of us are going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to be like, well, and that's it. It's well done. Lights, camera, action. But you're not saved by your deeds. So let me say it like this. Um, it's, not, it's not the root, it's the fruit. See, the root of salvation is your faith. But the fruit, what comes from that is action. Imagine I got married. You don't have to imagine I did 10 years ago. Uh, imagine I got married and I said, I love you. I'm committing the rest of my life to you. I'm only gonna have eyes for you, babe. I love you so much. I'm committed to you for the rest of my life. And I said that in one moment and I never did anything ever again to show my love. Ladies, I could see and feel your anger in the room right now. You're like, how dare you even use this analogy? Right, like that marriage wouldn't work and probably every single person in the world would question my love for my wife. Now here's the thing, Before, when we got married, shortly after we got married, we read this book called The Five Love Languages and it helped us understand how we can better show love to each other. My first love language, gifts. Call me materialistic, don't judge me, we just read that in James chapter two, okay? So you can go ahead and shut up, all right? <laughs> My wife's love language is quality time. She wants to spend time together. All the time, every time, every day. Can't, can't spend time together every day, like quality time like that. So what we do, we, we map out date nights. We try to do at least one date night a week, right? And here's the thing. Once in a while, I, I, I travel, I'll, I'll go off preaching like somewhere, we got summer camp season, and like we don't get to go on a date sometimes for a couple weeks. Does it mean that in that two weeks that we couldn't go on a date and I couldn't express my love to her through quality time, does that mean that my love for her is gone and it's done and it's dead? No, right? Like that's ridiculous because quality time is the fruit, not the root. See, quality time is not the love itself, it is just how I express it. How do you express your faith? Let me ask you this challenging question. Two challenging questions really quick, write this down. Number one, how has your life been different since you got saved? How has your life been different since you started following Jesus? I, you don't, I mean, you don't need to discuss this with anybody. You don't need to talk about it. You just need to ask yourself. And if you can't come up with anything, there might be something wrong. The next, the next question is this. What action step is God calling you to take? Because let me tell you this. The best preaching of the gospel, it's not proclamation, it's not declaration, it is demonstration. It is living it out. It's crazy, the word dead um, here in James is the word, it's the original word necros, which actually means a corpse. That's how brutal the language was that James used here. And I can't help but to think James was onto something because he's realizing this. God has called each and every one of us to greatness. And when we settle into the mediocre living of never walking out our faith, it will make you feel dead inside. 
We have this entire world that's, we have a world where suicide is the, the leading cause of death amongst teenagers. And so many, I can't even tell you how many, I literally got a text before service tonight from a friend who said that, that somebody in their family just tried to commit suicide. That's how I walked into this service tonight ready to preach. And I can't help but to think that so much of the world is walking around repeating these lines, I feel dead inside because God has placed purpose on their life and they're not walking it out. It's like, it's like imagine, imagine an artist who deep down inside, they have all these canvases and these paintings and these beautiful masterpieces in their mind, but they never have the brushes or the paint or the canvas. It's like, imagine a musician, imagine if Jimi Hendrix, talking about the Boogie Gym, imagine Jimi Hendrix never got a guitar in his hands. It's like, it's like Coco, like when he didn't have his guitar, he's like, ah, let me bust into this museum and steal one. Like, but this is what it's like. Like, God has placed a purpose on your life. God has called you to greatness. I don't know what you believe about God, but God has not called you to a mediocre, average, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, business-as-usual, look-like-everybody-else type of life. God has called you to greatness, and he's placed purpose on your life. And when you just ignore it, you're like, you're ignoring your destiny, of course you're gonna feel dead. And the word that James uses is, man, it's like a corpse. It's like, it's like being just a zombie, walking aimlessly with no direction, feeling dead inside. But know this, God loves you no matter what. You don't have to, you can do nothing to earn more of God's love. You can do nothing to make God love you less. God loves you no matter what. We've just got to learn to love him with all we've got because that's what it looks like to have action. As the band heads up, close this down, let me, let me ask you these challenging questions again. How has your life been different since you started following Jesus? And the one I want to focus on, what action step has God called you to take? Can I tell you this? For every single one of us, the first action step is to step into a relationship with him. For some of you, like, when I, when I said the words, I felt dead inside, you've literally said that statement this week. Can I tell you, we have the answer you're looking for. It is Jesus. Nothing else compares. You guys, like, I've been living for Jesus for 15 years of my life. Nothing else compares. No party, no relationship, no drug, no amount, no amount of getting high or drunk, no social status, nothing compares to living surrendered for Jesus. And so for some of you, that question, what action step, what step has God called you to take? For some of you, it is literally to just step into a relationship with Jesus tonight, to say yes to God. Some of you, you've felt that emptiness, you've felt that deadness inside want you to know tonight, Jesus didn't, look, like you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, okay, well that means that I have to like, you know, I'm gonna have to stop, I can't listen to Drake anymore, oh, if I become Christian again. God didn't come to make bad people good, he came to bring dead people to life. You, you, you don't have to worry about the 8,000 steps that you're gonna take from now until you're 70. You just take your one step into saying yes to Jesus.
And I believe tonight is the night that God has called you to take that step. So would you guys bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? You might be in here tonight. And man, as, as, as soon as I talked about that emptiness, that, that feeling dead inside, your heart wrapped around that, and you're like, man, that's me. That's me. I've felt, I felt empty for years. I've been struggling for so long, and I've, I've tried everything else, and, and nothing else is working. Uh, Let me tell you tonight, Jesus loves you. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Your job is to just take a step. And maybe as we're talking tonight, talking about this action that, that is the fruit of salvation, a relationship with Jesus will have evidence. And for some, you're in here, and maybe you've been serving Jesus. For, maybe, let me rephrase that. Maybe you've been in church for 10 years, and right now, you're realizing, you know what, I've been talking the talk, but I haven't walked the walk, maybe not even once. And, or maybe you were, and you've kind of, you've walked away, and you've been doing your own thing. You've been the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. And tonight, man, I want, I want to stop playing games. I want to stop doing my own thing. I want to stop, you know, living my own life. I want to come back home to God. I want to give him my life. That's you. And you would say, man, I want to give my life back to God. This is your moment. This is your time. If you would say tonight, man, I'm, I, want to, I want to take that step. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do something so simple. So simple. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to raise your hand, keep it up for a few moments, and then you put it right back down. This is your moment. This is your chance. I know raising your hand is not a literal step, but let this be your spiritual metaphoric step that you're taking and saying, yes, I want a relationship with God. Here we go. This is your moment. This is your time. Don't hesitate. When I get to three, you raise your hand. One, tonight's your night. Two, don't hesitate. Three, all over this place. It's not you. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Hands going up everywhere. Anybody else? It's amazing. Anybody else? Anybody else? No one's looking around. It's just me. Anybody else? Amazing. You guys can put your hands down. Hey, what we're going to do now is we're going to pray together. And maybe you've never prayed, but it's just talking to God. It's just words. And I'm going to give you the words. I'm going to make it as simple as possible. I'm going to give you the words. And in fact, since we're a family, we're going to all pray this together. We're going to pray it right out loud. Uh, the Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he rose from the dead and you'll be saved. It's that simple. So right now, would you repeat these really simple words right after me, right out loud, right there. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I take a step, and I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm gonna follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.